Amen. Come on, can you wave at somebody, hug somebody, smile somebody as you grab a seat. Thank you, worship team, so much today. Thank you so much. Thank you to our dream team again for making it happen again this Sunday. Thank you for all you do and um, to make this space amazing um, and renovate it and change it and set it up. It feels like Nova in here, amen? And um, some of you are like, right, I couldn't see my seat walking in. Yeah, it feels like Nova. Um, really glad you're here. And uh, I want to say hi to our online church for tuning in. I uh, love that you're here. I love that um, Karnith and baby Levi are watching. Um, love that you're watching from home. Uh, Jenny, we see you. Glad to see you in the chat. And, and Josh and Heather, we're glad to see you in the chat. We're really glad you've tuned in. And we're glad you're here in person today. Uh, we're glad you've joined us for church. Do you have your Bible today? Do you have a Bible? I want you to turn to Luke chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles uh, out at the uh, big yellow guest wall. Um, we would love for you to grab one on your way out and take it with you. Um, nothing will change your life like the Word of God. Come on, we've been preaching about that last week. We talked about it. The Bible says when they preach the Word, signs will follow that. I just can't help but just smile. Last week, preaching on the Word of God, we saw even a healing in our church. Uh, the Word of God will change you, build your faith. Faith comes by hearing the very Word of God. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by the very Word that proceeds from God. It brings life to you. Luke chapter 8. If you're there, say hey. Luke, I'm going to start reading in verse 41. Luke, verse 41. Luke chapter 8, verse 41. So glad you're enjoying us today. Thanks for changing your schedule. Thanks for making the drive. I uh, talked to one lady last week, took a taxi from Halifax to be here. I love that. Thank you. I love the hunger to be here. We're so glad you've joined us today. Verse 41. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local uh, church synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet pleading with him to come home with him. For his only daughter, who was 12 years of age, was dying. Again, you get a picture of the story. Jesus is teaching and preaching and moving and doing things. And this man came, hunted down Jesus, fell at his feet, put his hunger on display, wasn't waiting for God to show up to his house, went after him and said, my daughter is dying. Will you come and help me? Would you heal my daughter? Jump down to verse 51. Jesus gets interrupted by another woman with an issue. Can I encourage you? You can interrupt Jesus with your need. I love that he's on, as he's on his way to reach a 12-year-old, a woman who has been suffering for 12 years is healed. That means that as you're reaching one generation, God can, re can save another. And as a church, we focus on kids and youth, but don't worry about it, grandparents. God won't forget about you. In the middle of a moment of focusing on kids, God can heal every generation. Verse 51. When they arrived at the house, Jesus is now at the house of Jairus. It says he wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James and the little girl's parents. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. Verse 54. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Jump over next chapter, just to Luke chapter 9. I want to read one more passage before we share today. I believe God's going to encourage you. Luke chapter 9, start reading in verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away. Jesus at this point is teaching. It's a sermon on the mount. He's teaching to at least uh, 5,000 people. Some say as much as women and children and others, 12,000, 15,000 people he was speaking to. The disciples come to him and say this in verse 12. Send the crowds away to nearby villages and farms 
so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, go to Costco. (laughs) That's my interpretation. He says, you feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and fish. We only have fish and chips, is what they're saying there. We got a donair and a poutine. That's all we got. And they answered, are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there are at least 5,000 men here. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, which the disciples had found. He looked up towards heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they, so they could distribute to the people. They ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets left over. This morning, we're in a, this afternoon, we're in a series on pillars. And if you're leaning in on these messages, they're not just a, a half hour or 40 minutes to fill up a Sunday afternoon because that's what we do. We sing three songs and then we preach. There's actually some power being transmitted through God's word in this season to actually give you the strength. One thing I'm realizing is that we are in a shaky season as a culture. Now, I don't need to have a prophetic gift to say that. In fact, we're a nonprofit group. Thank you. It's, you don't need to be in the know to know it's a shaky season. From taxes raising to, to climate to politics to violence, um, we are in a shaky season. We sang about it today in the firm foundation, waves and winds. It feels like everything that can be shaken is shaken in this season. If there's ever a time we need a firm faith, a strong faith, this is the season we need it in. If you've been alive, been around at all, you know that things are shaking. People are questioning things. People are struggling with things. And in this season, our goal is not to entertain us. It's not just to inform us, but we believe through the transformation of reading his word, our faith can be strong. We don't need to give in to the pressure. We don't need to bow to the stress. We don't need to be an anxiety-filled generation. We can have a peace that goes beyond all understanding. We're in a series called Pillars, and today, our last pillar we're talking about, we're going to be going into a series in the coming weeks on Jesus, and then we're going into a series on the Holy Spirit, but in this series, talking about pillars, I want to talk about the pillar of discipleship. That's a church word right there. I don't know if that word's ever used in a coffee shop, I never heard it in high school, but discipleship, the power and the pillar of discipleship. I want to encourage you this afternoon, there's a difference between encountering Jesus and following Jesus. I want to say that again. There is a difference between encountering Jesus and following Jesus. You need to understand that, 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 that concept this afternoon. There are clear signs that you've been born again, that you've been saved by Jesus, that you are a disciple of Jesus, that you are a follower of Jesus. As, as the scripture says, that you are adopted into the kingdom and a child of God. There are clear signs to know if you're a part of God's family. I've learned this, that families look alike. Have you noticed that? Like, have you seen the Lido's kids? There is no doubt that they are Matt and Emily's ch- children, those boys. I've, th- this morning, my father walked up and told me this really, really bad pun. And I remember groaning on the inside and the outside, just feeling like, oh, that's horrible. And I thought, I just wish he wouldn't do that. And then I had this epiphany in that moment, going, oh, that's how people feel when I walk up and do that. You know what I realize, families, is you act like each other, you talk like each other, you look like each other. Families have a way of looking similar, laughing similar, walking similar, 
How many young adults have you walked into going, oh, I know exactly who your parents are? How many children have you seen in kids' ministry like, I know exactly who their parents are? You cannot mistake it. You know, we are child of, children of God, and there are signs that are proved that you're children of God. I'm going to read these fast. 1 John 3, 9. How do you know if you're a child of God? How do you know if you're following Jesus? It's a great question to ask today. 1 John 3, 9. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. They can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. When we're born again, I like how one person says it this way. When you're born again, it's not that you're sinless. You just sin less. We all sin. But when you become a child of God, you're not given to a life of sinning. You actually become an overcomer. There's victory in your life. God changes you. Conviction is added. When you're a child of God, you are convicted when you say things, do things, think things that do not line up with his word or his character. We still sin, but we sin less. 1 John 4, 7, how do you know you're a child of God? It says this, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. How do you know if you're a child of God? How do you know if you're in God's family? Love is evident in your life. You sacrifice, you sacrifice with love. You, you're, gen, you're generous with your love. You're generous with your life, your heart, your talents, and your time if you're part of the kingdom of God. 1 John 5, 4, for every child of God defeats this evil world when we achieve this victory through our faith, which says that if you are a child of God, you are overcomers. You overcome this world. You're not chasing culture. You're not led by the world. You live as an overcomer. I want to remind you again, there's a difference between encountering Jesus and following Jesus. The Bible tells us our life looked different. Jesus encountered many people. Lots of people encounter church, encounter religion, encounter faith. But there's a difference between encountering Jesus and following Jesus. And the difference is discipleship. Our life looks different. Growth from belief in Jesus to having him direct your life. That is discipleship. I'm going to say that again. It's the growth from believing in Jesus to actually having him direct your life. I want to show you. Uh, what we just read today, the comparison of these two miracles in Luke chapter 8 and chapter 9. It shows this picture, this, this, this paints a picture of the difference between just believing in Jesus and actually following Jesus, between encountering Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus shows up to this man's house and this, this young girl had died. It says Jesus walks in, he kicks everyone out except for the parents and three disciples. And he says he walks over with no help and no invitation, no one's helping him. He walks over to this little girl who is lifeless and he calls her back to life. It says she sits up and he says, give her something to eat. That is an encountering with Jesus. This room is full of people who have had an encounter with Jesus. My life is where it is because I've encountered Jesus. I wasn't looking for him. I wasn't helping him. I wasn't trying to, trying to be a partner in this. He showed up in your life and my life, and Jesus encountered me. And when you encounter Jesus, you cannot leave the same. He always raises you higher. He always gives you life. It's amazing you can spot when someone's been encountering with Jesus. I love that Jesus encounters people. I'm so thankful for those moments. I'm so thankful for the power of when Jesus walks into your life. What a moment. And there's so many people in this room. I'm looking at you. I know your moments of when you encounter Jesus. Your marriage is different. Your purity is different. Your direction is different. Some of you healing in your body. 
You're like, man, I remember when Jesus came into my life, when Jesus walked into my life, everything changed today. I love encountering Jesus. Luke 9 is different. You have the miracle in Luke 8 when Jesus walks into the room. He kicks everybody out. He's got a few disciples. He's got the parents, and he does this miracle. Luke 9 is different. Luke 9, the disciples are there. Jesus is teaching and preaching, and they walk up, and they initiate the conversation. They're like, hey, Jesus, we got some rumblies in our tumblies. We're a little hungry. We're all out of snackables. We got no bear paws. We got no, no, no cliff bars. We need, we need something. There's no drive through There's no Chick-fil-A. It's Sunday. They're closed. There's nothing by. Jesus, listen, listen, listen. People are starting to get tired. They're hungry. Jesus, feed them. And I love what Jesus does there. Jesus from Luke 8 would have said, I got this, boys, and he would have done a miracle. In Luke 9, he's on a journey of discipleship. He looks at them and says, you feed them. Go back and read your word. His answer to them was, you feed them. Can you imagine the panic in that moment? What do you mean? They come back and go, I know this is a test. It's always a test. It's got to be a test. Go through your pockets. What do you have? I got a breath mint. That's not enough. I know he's God, but that's not enough. So they go, just, we'll be right back. And they go, can you imagine? They go steal some kid's lunch. Bullies for Jesus, you know? And they come back with some, with this little boy's loaves and fish, and they come back, and Jesus goes, okay, all right. I see what I'm working with here. All right, all right, great. And he blesses it, but watch this. He doesn't, if I was God, and my wife reminds me all the time I'm not. If I was God, I would have been like, all right, well done. I would have thrown it up in the air. And unicorns and angels would have came out of the sky and would have distributed all around the people. That's not what happens. It says that actually he gave it back to them and said, all right, let me pray for it. Lord bless it. Now he looks at them and says, now you hand it out. These guys are like, okay, we thought we did our part. We brought you something. He's like, okay, I prayed for it. They're like, you didn't do anything. They get it back and they're like, that's it? And he's like, that's it. Hand it out. And as they start to hand it out, the miracle happens as they're passing it out. Scholars say as they passed it out, they looked down and it had gone back the way it was. And they would pass out more. And then just keep passing it down the line. And they'd break it and pass it. And there's a miracle in the breaking. So much so at the end of the line, at the end of the group, they said, we keep doing this and there's left over. And each disciple, they walked up with five loaves and fishes. Read your text. They all walked away. Twelve of them walked away with their own basket. They went, into, they went into needs convenience level. They came out with Costco bulk. They went in with, with just a little. They came out with a, a lot. They, you know, in that moment, there's something here that's happening. And Jesus is changing the situation. See, the disciples start the conversation, but then Jesus goes, you feed them and you hang out. See, he moved from encountering Jesus, please don't miss this, to partnering with Jesus. See, the, the Jesus in Luke 8 was like, just step back, I got this. In Luke 9, he's like, let's do this together. That is discipleship. Discipleship moves from saving to sending. It moves from encountering to following. The daughter sat up, ate, and was served. In Luke 9, the disciples stepped forward, they obeyed, and then they served. And that is the difference. Thank God for salvation. Death to life raised us up. He served us life and hope. But I want to encourage you, church, there's more than just salvation. Discipleship is growth from saving to serving, from receiving to partnering with God. Most of the frustrations I encounter with Christians 
could be alleviated with less sitting and more following of Jesus. When people come to me saying, I don't feel like there's growth in my life. Where are the deeper things in my life? I feel like I need to go deeper. People are saying, what about community? I don't feel like I have enough community around me. I feel like they're, they're, I need more relationships. People are saying, I need to hear God more. I don't know if I have direction for my life, for my relationships, for what he wants me to do. Where are the miracles? Where are the miracles? People are asking about purpose. Why am I here? I really, most of it will be solved with less sitting and more serving. And so many are waiting for, I love those moments when Jesus, we encounter him. But there's another level. Jesus came to die on the cross to save us, but he raised up a team to learn how to serve so he could build the church. And God is calling disciples. Listen, he preached to the multitudes, but he taught to his disciples. There's another level. The move to your future growth as a Christian starts with standing up and stepping out and obeying Jesus. There's a, uh, there's, there, there's a, a shift happening from just cheering, from just, from just being saved to obeying. I don't know what that looks like for you. But the pillar of discipleship is missing in the church right now. We have people that love encountering Jesus. They love singing for Jesus. They love wearing the t-shirt for Jesus. But they don't like obeying Jesus. I struggle with it. My struggle is not my cheering for Jesus. It's my obeying Jesus. I don't know what stepping out looks like for you into discipleship, growing that pillar in your life. It's probably involving stepping out and reading his word. Don't take a preacher's word for it that it's in here. You, we put the scriptures on the, on, the, on the screen, not because we know you didn't bring your Bible, though you need to bring your Bible. It's because we want to show you it's in the word of God. It's not just my opinion. But you need to read the Bible for yourself. Discipleship starts with learning what he said. Some of you, it's stepping out and joining a prayer room. Right now, we have two of them. You can pray on your own. You can join us on Tuesday nights or Friday mornings. Some of you, it's stepping out and to obey his correction and his direction. And I've learned this when Jesus speaks, he's either directing me or correcting me. Sometimes he's directing me to say, I just want you to know I love you. I have a plan for you. I got you. I'm so thankful for his direction. But sometimes he corrects me. Even this week he corrected me over something in my life. And it hurt and it was wonderful. Thank God for his voice in our lives. Salvation is being adopted by God. Discipleship is becoming like God. There's a pillar of discipleship that wants to grow in your life. And you can worship on Sundays. You can worship in your home. You have the pillar of worship. But there's something about saying, God, I obey you. I want to move from sitting to serving. I want to move from encountering to following. I want to move from just cheering for you and move to obeying you. There's a story of a, a great military tactician, a world famous named Alexander the Great. Our history books are full of his exploits and his stories. A ruthless man that was known for his violence and conquering the world. In fact, in his lifetime, he had conquered 75% of the known world with his army. A ruthless man that, that, that broke through borders and kingdoms and subdued kings and, and, and just with violence and with strength went in and took over the world. There's a story one night where Alexander the Great couldn't sleep and his army was in this huge field finishing battle one day getting ready to go on to the next battle tomorrow and as they're sleeping the, uh, the Alexander the Great couldn't sleep history tells us that he started wandering around the outside of his camp just walking around the the outer perimeter of his camp and in the middle of the night he walks around one corner and he sees a young soldier who is positioned on watch. That was his position. That was his post. To watch the fields. To watch the tree line. 
to see if the enemy would come and retaliate. His job was to keep guard. As he walks closer to the young man, he sees that he's asleep. He gets closer and the young man hears the footsteps and he shakes his cobwebs in his head and he opens his eyes and he focuses and he realizes who is standing over him is Alexander the Great. He knew what Alexander the Great knew and everyone else knew that the crime for falling asleep at your post was death, instant death. It was such a serious role. You were the front line to protect against attack. If you fell asleep, everyone else was vulnerable. If you fell asleep at your post as a watchman, you were put to death. In fact, the most popular way was to pour gas, kerosene on them and light them on fire right there. Horrific. This man, young man, this young soldier, this young adult stands up and looks at him. And he knows what's about to happen. He knows his death is intimate. Alexander the Great looks at him and says, What's your name, soldier? The soldier quietly mumbles and gets enough nervousness to get his words out. He says, my name is Alexander. Alexander the Great says, what's your name? He said, my name is Alexander. He looked at him. He said, young man, change your name or change your character. You know, discipleship is we take on the name of Jesus. The question is, does our character and our behavior follow the name that we march under and that we've taken on? We throw the term Christian around so lightly. In my life, it's so easy to put it on my Instagram bio, to put pastor on my, on my name, to, to come to church and wear the merch and be in the building. It's easy to have the name. But sometimes I ask myself, do I have the character and the behavior of the name I carry? That's discipleship right there. And that's where the pillar of strength is. That's where the battle is in this season. Behavior must follow belief. We're raised to life, but we just don't sit there. We aim to become like Jesus. Encountering Jesus is one thing. Following Jesus is another. And we're gathering in this church, what we're gathering in this movement is not just people that encounter Jesus. We're believing next Sunday at Easter people are going to encounter Jesus. But that's not the end. The end is, God, would you help us follow you? Would you help us become like you? Would you help our behavior to follow our belief? It's Holy Week. It's Palm Sunday. It's when Jesus started his move towards the cross. and It's the march to Easter. And a crowd cheered for him. But only a few followed him. I don't want to be a cheering Christian. I want to be a following disciple. Matthew chapter 26, as I get ready to close. I think it's interesting. Just before Easter, Jesus at the Last Supper. We pick it up here in Matthew chapter 26, verse 20. Watch this. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? Lord, is it me? Am I going to betray you? Lord, is it, is it me? Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me that's going to betray you? He goes on, he goes, one of you has just eaten from this bowl will betray me. For the Son of Man must die, and the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it would be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better that 
that man had never been born. Let me ask you, who betrayed Jesus? Who betrayed Jesus? This side got it way too easy. <laughs> it was Judas. Watch what happens here in verse 25. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you have said it. Watch this. Don't miss this. Verse 22. Put 22 back up. Verse 22. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? Do you see that? Am I the one, Lord? Jump down to verse 25. Judas says this. Am I the one, Rabbi? The disciples called him Lord. Judas called him Rabbi. Rabbi means teacher. And some people come to church for the teaching, but they don't want Jesus to be their Lord. See, Rabbi, J Judah said, I, I like the opportunity of being around the teacher. I like the lessons from the teacher. I like the class that I'm with. I like the internship I hang with. I like the information I get. I like my rabbi, my teacher. But the others knew him as Lord. See, some want information, but they don't want transformation. That is the difference. Some want the blessing of a Savior, but resist the lesson from the Lord. They want a blessing, not a lesson. I want to encounter you. I want you to teach me, but do not challenge me and do not change me. And they said, is it me, Lord? And he said, is it me, teacher? Judas enjoyed the teacher, but he betrayed the Lord. When Jesus is Lord, he gets the final say. He is the only vote. And our anthems go from I'll do it my way to I surrender all. And that is the difference. Church, there's a movement growing, a hunger inside of us to move from just being people that learn from Jesus, that like the lessons of church, that like the lessons of Jesus. They just want to encounter him. They want to actually follow him, be transformed by him. They may have walked in one way, but you walk out another Decades do not determine your maturity. Obedience does. I've been around people, been in church and around Jesus for years, decades, and they're no more mature than the day they walked in. But then how is it that someone can come in and meet Jesus on an Easter? And by the summertime, they've changed, they've grown, they've transformed. Why? Because they embrace the Lordship, not just the teaching. They just don't want an encounter. They want a following. They just don't know the rabbi, they know the Lord. Discipleship. Making Jesus Lord, that's the pillar, that's the strength. You feeling weak today? You feeling tired in your faith? You feeling a little low? The secret is in lordship, is in discipleship, is in following Jesus. Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord, not rabbi, not teacher, not guru, not life coach, not social media influencer, not even friend. Lord is my strength and my shield. The protection we need and the strength we're looking for is found in obedience of following the Lord, not just the teaching of a teacher. It's not just the information and the podcast and the, and the community we're part of. There, at some point, it comes down to, I will follow you. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. Come hell or high water, if you said it, I will do it. I just don't want information. I want transformation. I will trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. The joy we need is found 
in lordship. Nehemiah 8.10, the last half of that verse. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. He is a rabbi you encounter or he is a Lord you follow. It's the pillar of discipleship. Church, things are shaking, things are moving, things are challenging, but I know this, there's a strength in our faith when we move from cheering for Jesus to obeying Jesus. When we move from wanting to encounter him to actually follow him. When we move from the teaching to the transformation. Embrace that journey. I don't know what it looks like for you. Some of you have been in this for a while. You're like, I know Jesus. You know the saving Jesus. But do you know the serving Jesus? If I've learned this, he'll direct you. Give that single parent some money. Get to the prayer room. Shut off TV in the quiet of your house and just bow your knee and say, God, what are you speaking to me? And he'll direct you. He may even correct you. It might involve changing your priorities and changing your schedules. It might be saying you're sorry. It might be sending that email to apologize. It might be signing up for that thing. I don't know what it is, but God will direct you. But can we have a generation that chases not just, not just information, but transformation? The pillar of discipleship. All over this place, can we stand to our feet? I'm going to pray today. I think it's an amazing Sunday to give people an opportunity to follow Jesus for the first time. Maybe you're a guest today, someone brought you, and you're like, man, I had no idea I'd be in church on a Sunday. You're like, man, the coffee's good. People are friendly. You didn't know what to expect. You walked in here today. Maybe someone brought you. Maybe you saw it on social media. You showed up. But even in your heart, you know there's more than just information, that there's power available, that the God that made you is the God that saved you, and the God that saved you is the God that wants to lead you and direct your life. We're Jesus followers. Not because we got a fish tattoo or a bumper sticker that says uh, the same. It's because we, he says it, we do it. That's our cry. And when we don't, we confess and repent and follow him again. And we have sin, but we sin less. We have a love for our community and our people, and we are overcomers. We are, not, we are more than conquerors. We are not under it. We are over it. Why? Because the same God that is in us is the God that we encounter that will help us, is the God that will send us, and the God that will free us. With every head bowed, just for a moment. Maybe you've been coming to this church for a while. Maybe you're watching online right now, and you, you know the instruction of Jesus, but you don't know the transformation of Jesus. You've never said, I... I I give my life to Jesus. If he says it, I do it. That's pretty radical. That's what this is. Let's just thin the herd a little bit. We're not looking to fill an altar or fill numbers or quota. Following Jesus means I ask him for direction in all my life. That's your relationships, your finances, your career, your purity, your thoughts. It's all his. That's what this means. Sometimes we've made it so easy. We have a bunch of people cheering for Jesus, but when it gets down to it, they don't actually obey Jesus. And that is the struggle, but that is the, that is the victory. And that is the joy. That's where the strength comes from. It's not the joy of the Savior is my strength. It's the joy of the Lord is my strength. You say, Mike, I don't know Jesus. I've heard about him. I've, 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 I've seen his teachings. I've cheered for Jesus. I've waved from a distance. I've said, Hosanna. I've, I've cheered for him. I have worship music in my car and on my iPhone. I, I, I'm in the culture, but I don't know if I know Jesus. I don't know if I follow Jesus. With every head bowed just for a moment, you say, Mike, I want you to pray for me. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. In a moment, and put it right back down. I'm going to pray for you and believe not only for an encounter, 
but for a transformation today. With every head bowed, you say, Mike, I want you to pray for me. On the count of three, if that's you, would you raise your hand? I'm gonna pray for you. One, two, three. If that's you, I wanna pray for you. Thank you. You can put it right back down. Dozens of hands all over this place. Put it right back down. We're gonna pray right now. Church, can we all pray together? We're gonna pray this prayer together. If you put your hand up, I want you to pray it. Church, if you've already done this, I want you to pray it. Can we pray together? Can we give our lives back to Jesus again and say, we're gonna follow you one more time? Let's pray. Repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I wanna follow you with my life. I give you my past. I give you today. And I'm asking that you'll lead me tomorrow. Forgive me for my sin. Would you clean my life? Would you make me whole? And now I'm asking, would you speak to my heart? And I will follow. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, can we cheer for that? If you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you go to the big yellow wall when we're done here? We have a gift for you. Our team will just, want to, just wants to connect with you. We're not done yet. Here's what we want to do. We're going to close the service with a song. Pastor Matt's going to lead us. Last week, I was so encouraged. If you said, Mike, I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. I'm a disciple. I need Jesus to move in my life. Maybe it's a healing in your life. Maybe you have a decision you're making. Maybe it's mental health. Maybe it's physical health. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's just something that I haven't mentioned. You're like, man, I, I love Jesus. I follow Jesus, but I'm believing right now. I need someone to pray for me. We're going to make room today. We're going to sing this song. Because I want you to pray for me. I have a prayer team. They're going to come forward right now. You'll see them. They have their badges on at the end of each aisle. We have a couple people making themselves available right now. We're going to sing this song. Would you just be comfortable as we worship in this place? You say, man, I want someone to pray for me. I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. I'm I need someone to agree with me for a miracle in my life. We're going to make room today at the end of these aisles. We come down and pray and watch what God will do. Last, last week, a woman walked home, healed in her body. What does God want to do today? You want, he wants you to encounter him, and then he wants to send you. Amen? Come on, Pastor Matt. The altars are open. If you want prayer, join us today. Lead us in worship. Here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, whatever you want to. Surrender. This is my surrender. Here is 
whatever you